0: good morning everybody so uh the sermon this morning what god put on my heart is that we are laborers in god's harvest uh i know that labor day is a month from now i'm not confused there's a wedding a month from now right that's exciting huh yeah um but uh no, uh, we want to talk about being laborers in God's harvest, and uh, I remember when I was, when I was a kid, uh, I don't know where we got it, but in my room somewhere there was a poster, and it said this, work for the Lord, uh, the pay might not be much, but the benefits are out of this world, that's, that's kind of a pun, you know. Um, And now that I look back at it, I think that was like a prophetic word for for us (laughs) because the pay has never been much, but the benefits have have been great. Um, But uh, we want to talk about working for the Lord. And uh, to get you thinking about it, I I have some questions that I'd like you to to think about, not just right now, but uh, maybe this week. Just keep thinking about them. Uh, these questions think and pray and ask the Lord Um, first one how do you feel about work do you enjoy it I'm a teacher so I've had a lot of experience with people who don't enjoy work I also know some people who really like work in fact some of you know Rob (laughs) and Kathy Chapla and they just stand out to me as people like if they were going to do something for fun they would work and i know there are other there are others of some of you here um who are the same way um how do you feel about work second question what is your motivation for working why do you do it uh because i'll get paid well that's not necessarily a bad uh, motivation for working because of the reward uh, because somebody told me to do it and it's the right thing to do i'm obedient and i work i go to school um because uh because i enjoy it um because of the um because i appreciate looking at the accomplishment and the results um because i can use my talents there are a lot of reasons Uh, what's what's your motivation for working here's an interesting question does god profit from what you do does your work result in eternal benefits for anyone? Now, I should have said this. When I talk about work, I'm not just talking about your job that you go to and get paid for. Or, or if your child, go to school and don't get paid for. Um, but I'm also talking about any kind of activity. And, and actually, it even spills over into, like, what are you doing with your thoughts? What am I thinking? How am I using... Um, all of my time and all that I'm doing. Uh, we get up praying. Uh, we get a newsletter from our group in China, the the missionaries in China and uh, to they send in prayer requests and there was one guy who would send it back out and he called it knee work. Um, this little email that comes out every month or so uh, because prayer is work, right? Um, so Does God profit from what you do? Does your work result in eternal benefits for anyone? Um, If you don't know, ask God, right? Ask God, hey, um, how do you feel about my work? Uh, The next question is how do you think God feels about your work that's kind of related? Ask him. Are you laboring in God's harvest in the world? If so, how? A student might say, no, I'm laboring doing math. <laughs> well, is, is, that, is that labor in God's harvest? Um, you know, it's not just to be a pastor or a missionary or some other kind of religious profession that means we are laborers in God's harvest, Amen. I think, I think we all know that, but um, uh, then the last question is this. Do you think the work you're currently doing is fulfilling God's calling for your life? How do you feel about that? Do you think that's true? And I'm talking about right now, I'm not talking about the future. You might say I'm too young to walk in God's calling. You know, maybe in, in my goal in the future is to do this. Um, no, right now, God has a calling for each one of you. You might think, I'm too old. I'm past my years. I don't have enough strength to do what God's called me to do. I've already done, I'm already past that. No, God has a calling for you right now while you still have life and breath. Are you doing it? What do you think? And so these would be good things to to continue thinking about and and pray about and take some time and ask the Lord. Uh, Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12 this morning. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go and he said to them the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few there were like 72 of them right in the the whole world Uh, not not too many Um, but uh, there were going to be more Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) But the key is he is with us, right? He is sending us. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Kathy, we messed up when we went to China. We didn't Mm -hmm. obey that rule. We would have avoided a lot of frustration in that Tokyo airport. (laughs) We had all this stuff, and we were carrying uh, a two-year-old and a nine-month-old and a guitar and like at least four big suitcases and physical, physical stress on top of all the other stuff we were feeling. Yeah, and then there was that time in 2007 we came back and we had like 11 major suitcases and about less than an hour to cha- to get to our next uh, airplane. There's a reason Jesus said that, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. That's just a great thought. Like, I have that peace is a tangible thing that I can put on somewhere, somebody, or it can return to me. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But do you, uh, do you think that wherever you go? The kingdom of God is coming near to these people I'm coming in contact with. kingdom of God is coming to my workplace today. The kingdom of God is entering the school building right now. The kingdom of God is out at the playground. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 10, But whatever, whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. It's not very politically correct, I don't think. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Wow, what an awesome privilege and responsibility Jesus gives us there. Uh, because he's speaking to his 72 followers, but he's also speaking to us because we are his disciples as well. Amen? And... Uh, What authority he has vested in us. Uh, Now, how does his command here start? What to do? Pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, God's work starts out with what? Praying. Praying for sending out. Also, notice this you do not go out of your own accord. We are sent, right? And, and so we pray that laborers, including pr- presumably us, will be sent. Um, another key aspect of our labor is that we don't labor wherever we think is a good idea or wherever we feel like, but where he sends us to do what he's sent us to do. However, we also need to be mindful that he is not asking us to go and do it to toil in our own strength, but to labor in him. He means to be the wind in our sails. He is the engine that powers our machine. He's not, it, it, look at the things that he has to do. Go heal the sick. Can you do that? <coughs> not without him, Right. So, uh, change people's hearts. Can you do that? Not without him. But he, uh, and so we need to do it uh, with him. You know, in Matthew 11 uh, 28, this is a famous verse. He sa- Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor, that would be us, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. And lowly in heart Uh, He is not a harsh uh, mean taskmaster. He is not an uh, Uncaring unfeeling Boss who abuses us You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light I put a picture of two oxen yoked together up there And I've said this before, but it gives me great comfort when Jesus says that. Um, Because I don't know of those two which one is the stronger one, but when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I know which one, who is the stronger one, it's him. I read somewhere that the yoke is carved out of a piece of wood, and it's custom fitted for the oxen. And so he has got a yoke, and he is on one side of it, Pulling, and we are on the other side and the task and the calling is custom fitted for each one of us to pull with him and but he is the one who does the major pulling right now when we take his yoke on us uh, we are letting him be lord right you are submitting you're putting yep i'm gonna go where you go I can't help but go where you go when I'm yoked together with you right and uh, yeah he is the stronger one we are not going to pull him where we want to go amen but he is going to lead us where he wants us to go and he is going to help accomplish the work that he wants us to do because he's powerful he's mighty but we'll let him direct our work we also access his power now work uh go back to the garden of eden when adam and eve uh were in fell into sin in the garden you remember the curse you know, god forgave them right but he said there are consequences there is a curse that is on you and actually in the world because you have sinned and he said that the part of the curse was fruitless toil that's the words pastor nick used to, used in his book to describe it uh God said to Adam that we would toil to get food from the ground. We would be battling thorns and thistles along the way. Uh, We would get bread by the sweat of our brow until we return to the ground. Now, this idea doesn't just apply to farming. That was not just a curse for farmers. Well, I don't want to be a farmer because farmers are cursed. No, it, it, this, this applies to our whole life and our work, uh, our livelihood, all kinds of labor, and including the labor of producing the works that please God and fulfilling his calling for our lives. In fact, right, we can't do it. We cannot please God um, on our own without him. That's the bad news we all know that there is good news, too, right? And the good news is that God has provided a Sabbath for his people. And, you know, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was a day to rest. And God rested on the seventh day uh, from creation, and he commanded through Moses for the people to rest. But Sabbath is a bigger concept than just a day. It's much bigger than just a law that we are supposed to follow. Um, Jesus called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And Sabbath is a rest from fruitless toil. And the fact that Jesus credits his works of righteousness to us and wipes away our sins, that's the Sabbath. That's That's even fuller meaning of the Sabbath than just having a rest once a week. And... Um, so jesus himself is the complete fulfillment of the sabbath god's sabbath rests for us he redeemed us from fruitless toil by delivering us from the curse of sin and restoring us to a state of righteousness fruitfulness and authority that state which he originally created and meant for us to live in and to serve him in and so as christians as god calls us follow as jesus says follow me uh, and do my work be yoked with me uh, we can expect not that we uh, are miserable unfruitful weak and helpless uh, in what he's called us to do in this world but that we walk with all his power so when we see Jesus going around and healing the sick and casting out demons and bringing sight to the blind and changing the hearts of those who, who listen to him and forgiving their sins, we can expect to be doing the same things as we walk in what he's called us to do. Amen? And yes, people have a choice, and, not everybody, and some people rejected Jesus, He said, if they listen to my words, they'll listen to yours. If they rejected me, they'll reject you. No servant is greater than his master. So he he didn't say it was all going to be easy. This still is a world that's cursed and has sin in it. But we have been restored to the authority uh, and the the purpose and fruitfulness that he, he planned for us to have. In Christ, we have that. Um, Paul summed up this idea when he wrote to the Ephesians. I love this verse because it's just like concisely uh, describes the Christian life. Uh, it's Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, right? Not your own works. You cannot save yourself by works. Then it goes on. For we are his workmanship, his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Is that a contradiction? Not at all. He created us, and he created the works. The good works... uh, which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so he's called you to work and guess what when when you wake up tomorrow morning and face the things that god has called you to do he's already created those works we just have to walk in them and by the way he's with us when we walk in them he's pulling with us his spirit is in us uh, to walk in those things you do not have to create those works that you have to do tomorrow They've already been created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, it's it, it, I find it interesting to look at a connection that God makes throughout the Bible. We saw it in Genesis: a connection between food and work. We've seen people on the side of the road at the intersections will work for food, right? Or uh, some people are just asking for food and not wanting to work. But uh, there is a connection. And also to compare God's view of that subject with the way people normally look at it. Um, uh, Jesus said this to his disciples. Uh, He, remember when they were traveling to Jerusalem and they went through Samaria and they stopped and Jesus sat down at the well and there was a Samaritan woman and his disciples went off to buy food. And Jesus, we know the story, he started talking to her and he kind of gave her some words of knowledge about her life and she's like whoa you're a prophet and he's like i'm actually the messiah and she's like what and then his disciples came back and i'll start reading from there it says meanwhile his disciples were urging him saying rabbi eat but he said to them i just wanted i would like it's one of those things i'd like to have been there it's probably a, a funny moment I have food to eat. Where was I? I have food to eat that you do not know about. <laughs> like, what were they thinking? So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's his food. His food is to accomplish God's work do you not say there are yet four months then comes the harvest look i tell you lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest and i feel like at that time it was probably like the lady was had gone back to town to tell her friends and then they were all coming out to see him and maybe at that time he's like lift up your eyes and here's all this crowd of people coming down the down the street i don't know Um, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together we sometimes we think about well we'll get our reward in heaven no you know what it says already the one who reaps is receiving wages now we're putting in the bank of heaven maybe and some of them we're getting here on Earth, right? But uh, it's already happening. Like there is a um, there there is opportunity out there. There is reward to be had. And by the way, the sower and the reaper—what are they doing? Rejoicing together. Should we rejoice in our work? There, I love this verse in the, in the Psalms. Serve the Lord with gladness. I don't always do that. <laughs> Sometimes I'm serving like, why isn't somebody helping me? Or uh, I'm so tired. Oh. But uh, serve the Lord with gladness. God means that we, re- that we rejoice in our work. Verse 37. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now one thing we see here is that there are different jobs. God has different jobs for different people. There are different gifts that He's given to different people. There are different callings that He's called us to, right? But we work together. How much reaping would there be if there was no one who had sown? Amen? And so, you know, Paul talks about that, that more in, in his epistles. But, um, but what you are called to do is not necessarily the same as what the person sitting next to you or another person in your family is called to do. Um, <clears throat> don't despise what he's called you to do or what he's called somebody else to do. And the other thing I see here is unity. We've been talking a lot in our church values. It's one of our core values is promoting unity in the body of Christ. And we see here that it's necessary. Uh, Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. We have to enter into one another's labor. Many hands make light work. And there are many tasks to be done, not just one. And so we won't get something done unless everybody does their job and that we work together. So Jesus, back to the beginning, Jesus said that his food is what? To accomplish the work that was leading to the harvest of souls that his father put in front of him to do. Now what is food? Food is what drives us to work. Right? He who will not work shall not eat. Uh, Proverbs says, a laborer works hard, his, drummer, his hunger drives him on, right? So f- food, when uh, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Um, you know, he's looking at the harvest. The harvest is food. Uh, but it's, food is what drives us. It also is what energizes us to keep going. And food also, I think, is what makes us profitable. If a a farmer has a bumper crop, he'll sell some of it and he makes a profit, right? And so Jesus is talking about food uh, connected with his work. Now, uh, there is a big distinction we need to make about labor for God. It is true. I said uh, he gives us rest. He is our Sabbath. And... Uh, He gives us help. He shares we can expect His power. We can expect His influence, the Spirit of God moving on people's hearts on our behalf, and Him uh, opening wide opportunities, bringing resources that we need. At the school, we see that all the time. We need somebody, and God brings the right person in. Um, We could use some upgrades on furniture, and God brings all this stuff, stuff that we need lockers tables all kinds of stuff and i'm sure you've experienced that too in god um god's supernatural provision blessing and help in your work and uh, and so there is that in fact he he anoints us with the holy spirit what's he called the helper uh, in one translation to accomplish to help us accomplish what he's called us to do and he wants us to be joyful and enjoy our work and be fruitful, right? So there is that. But um, And this is, the when you know I was preparing this, this is something the Lord put on my heart. I'm not trying to be ignorant to, to anybody, okay? But God said, that does not mean that we should sit back and do nothing. And uh, we were not put in this world to be entertained. Uh, we were not put in this world to sit back and eat bonbons while we watch God send angels to do everything that needs to be done. He could have arranged it that way, but he didn't. Um, Why am I saying this? I think this world lives for entertainment. Look at the highest paid people, actors and actresses and professional athletes and the entertainers. And uh, that's what people spend their money on. Many people who work are toiling with the goal of obtaining pleasure for themselves. And we need to be careful about that too. We live in a time and culture where we need to be careful, God's people need to be careful not to fall into the trap of the selfish philosophy of the world that's around us. There's a saying, actually there was a song, Uh, that says everybody is working for the weekend right like TGIF right thank goodness it's Friday Um, because people are working looking forward to the weekend when they can relax uh, and have fun and entertain themselves and there's more time Uh, actually in the world today it's it's even more insidious I feel like because uh, it's coming up with ways that we can goof off when we're supposed to be working uh, and because we, we carry around our personal entertainment center with us now. Oh, I need it, it's necessary. Of course we do. Um, but there's a lot of things on there that, that are counterproductive to what we, what we should be doing. Just ask um, teachers, ask bosses around, around the, uh, the world. Um, I think we need to be careful because there is a feeling of entitlement that that comes in. That, I don't know if it comes in through habit, but it's like I deserve to do this. I deserve to be able to entertain myself right now. I deserve this many hours. Pretty soon it becomes I deserve to be able to take a break every 10 minutes for 5 minutes to entertain myself. There's just like this spirit of entitlement this fe- feeling of entitlement I, I'm talking about it because I felt it but I also see it in other people sometimes um, to increasing relaxation and recreation oh. you know I'm not saying that entertainment in itself is bad there are there are some forms of entertainment that are inherently bad okay but most of it is not but it can become an idol if it does it is bad you understand if we are doing it instead of doing the work of the lord it's bad so how can we know if we've let those things become an idol that disrupts god's calling for us because i guarantee there is a lot of god's calling in the christian church today that's disrupted because um, because our goal is entertainment or because we get caught in entertainment that we pursuing that stuff rather than doing all the work that he's called us to do and remember I'm not just talking about going to work and putting in the eight hours I'm talking even about how do I spend my time if I'm out there mowing on the soccer field and I don't have to put a lot of thought into going back and forth what am I thinking about because I could be thinking I could be entertaining myself with my thoughts Or I could be sleeping with my thoughts. Or I could be praying or thinking about something more uh, productive, right? So I've got a couple, a few diagnostic questions here. Think about these. Is this thing, this kind of entertainment or relaxation, is it keeping me from spending time with God, time in his word, and fellowship with people if it is it's probably splashing out into areas that it shouldn't you understand what I'm saying another question am I spending resources on it that keep me from paying bills or paying off debts tithing to the church giving to God's people who are in need or to the work of the gospel If I'm spending resources on it that God wants me to spend other places, maybe it's out of proportion. Another question. Am I pursuing entertainment when it is time to work? I'm not telling you exactly when is when. That's a complex idea. But am I pursuing entertainment when it's time to work? Am I failing to accomplish things I should do Because I spend too much time on entertainment. And I'm not saying that I have this all together either. I don't. These questions are for me to ask myself too. And the last one. There might be others. But my last one. Have I asked the Lord what he thinks about it? And maybe that's the the biggest question. What does he want me to do? Has he said anything about it to me? through the Bible, through my conscience or the voice of the Holy Spirit or other godly people who have spoken to me about it. Those are some good questions to ask when deciding because because we all know we need time to rest, right? You can't work, 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 work and never stop. But, uh, and I'm not saying enter- entertainment is bad, but What's God's will in it? That's the question, because we want to follow him. We are yoked to him, amen? We don't want to take off the yoke. That doesn't result in a good ending. So Jesus, uh, he drew the anger of the religious leaders of his time because he continued his work of healing and delivering people, even on the Sabbath day. Their idea of the Sabbath, we look at it now, and we say it was self-serving, it was un not compassionate, is that incompassionate, uncompassionate, Uh, and judgmental. But he understood that these works that he, who he called himself the Lord of the Sabbath, was doing to set people free from the effects of sin, that these works embodied the concept of true Sabbath rest, right? What better kind of Sabbath rest than give somebody a rest from being ill, or being uh, controlled by demons, or being controlled by sin. And uh, so setting people free from bondage embodies the Sabbath. In John 9, 1-7, tells us about a miracle. It says, as he passed by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Interesting worldview. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. All right, so what are works? Well, he's talking about miracles there, part of it, right? At least part of it, he's talking about doing those works of God, miracles. Now, it's probably other things, too, like bringing the gospel, bringing freedom, doing what God wants us to do, okay? But focus here on the the saying, what Jesus said. Hey, it's time to work. There's a time coming when we can't work anymore. In other words there is a window of opportunity all of us have a window of opportunity and it is opportunity you know i asked my student you have the opportunity to do math today or or grammar exercises like thanks what a great opportunity right but um no work is an opportunity it's an opportunity for reward god has a rewards program and it's not just getting to go to heaven Jesus talked about storing up treasures in heaven. And that's going to be for all eternity. This time of opportunity, this window, is very short. 70 or 80 years, maybe more, maybe fewer, right? But this time, this is an opportunity that he's given us. And Jesus is like, take advantage of the time. It's daytime. Don't be playing around when you should be working. This opportunity does not last forever, it's a limited offer. And um, night is coming when no man can work. God gives us time, life, energy, and gifts to enable us. They're his gift from us to enable us to be fruitful, to have opportunity to share in his joy of accomplished work and to receive rewards from him in eternity. The days of this life are finite, but they're packed full of opportunity. And uh, Moses recognized this. Psalm 90 is called the prayer of Moses. And uh, it starts out by talking about uh, how frail life is and um, how our life is in the Lord, but uh, we are sinful and in need of him. I want to start at verse 12 to the end it says so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom in other words teach us how to use the time the short time the finite time that we have the way it best to to its fullest the way he wants us to return O lord how long have pity on your servants satisfy in other words we need you god we can't do anything without you satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days that's god's will for us to rejoice and be glad all our days includes this days on earth right even when we're having trouble we can still rejoice even when working we can rejoice make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. I think what he's talking about there is the power of God. We should be praying again here, you see prayer here, asking God to show his power, heal people, signs and wonders. Uh, influencing the way people think and believe and the last prayer I love this prayer I pray it I pray it regularly let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us think about God's favor like God is for you you are God really likes you you are God's uh, favorite not like you're the only one that's his favorite but he likes you. You please him. And so he's willing to uh, do stuff for you. Do you favors. Work on your behalf. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You see, I guess this is Moses, the earnest prayer. So we've been talking a lot about prayer. And I think we will more because it's such a key part of doing the work of the Lord. Moses' earnest prayer, and he had a lot of reasons to pray in his work. <laughs> he had a tough job. Uh, that God would establish the work of our hands. you know, That it wouldn't be burned up in the end. Or that it wouldn't be fruitless toil like the curse brought us but that God would establish it, that it would be eternal and lasting uh, for into, the next, into and through the next life. And he repeats it. So we know he's serious about what he's saying. Um, you know, people have many needs. And I'm a man, not a woman, but I know for a man, I think the deepest need is to be, the, the desire to be successful. I mean, I think sometimes they say women's deepest need is to be loved. I'm not sure. Um, but, and, and we all need to be loved. But uh, that desire to be successful in what we are called to do is the deepest need. And that's the heart of that prayer. Pray, pray. Um, for God, establish the work of our hands. How can we be successful in fulfilling God's work? All right, I think we, the first step, seek the Lord. Show us what is his will and calling for us. Equip us to do his, his will. You know, first of all, this can't be done outside of right relationship with the Lord. So the first step is, you know, have you given your life to Jesus as Savior and as Lord? How can you serve him if you don't let him be Lord, right? And so give your life and put your faith in him. Uh, But then along with that, I don't think we can accomplish the work of the Lord without being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we can do something, but we can't do everything Without what he said we needed, and that is um, the, to be empowered um, by his Holy Spirit. The mower doesn't work well if we don't put gas in it and turn on the engine. And, uh, you know, we can't do too much without the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody who's saved has the Holy Spirit, but I, I'm saying this too. To be baptized with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit is not a once in a lifetime event, but it's a, da- it's a daily need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so how do we do that? I think it's a lifestyle. And some of these things sound familiar, but read his word, take time to listen to him, spend time worshiping him, fast and pray and fellowship with his people. And there are other things too, that lifestyle of seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God says, if you seek, you will find. So it's not like you're seeking something that, chasing that we can never catch, okay? But it's just a matter of embracing uh, him whose arms are already open to embrace us. So, Walking with him, God's grace enables us to do the work that he has chosen for us and to do it joyfully as well as fruitfully. And the last, I want to look at something Solomon, and he was a man who knew a lot about building houses, right? Said about work. Psalm 127, 1-2 is uh, one of, written by Solomon. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain it is in vain and yes that's that's the fruitless toil right in vain you rise up early i like that verse in vain you rise up early and my wife likes the next part and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil. Look at the connection between food and work. I don't want that food, do you? The bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep or rest. So, we need the Lord to be at work within us. Otherwise, life is just anxious toil. Now, probably the guy who labored the most fruitfully that we see in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. You think so? And uh, when teaching, when he was teaching about the resurrection of the dead and that there is eternal life and that at, when our body dies, there's more. That's good. Um, in the midst of that teaching, he said these words of encouragement to us, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. In other words, keep working, keep working. Don't quit, don't quit, don't give up. Be steadfast, immovable. In other words, don't get off track. Don't head off to the playground here when you're supposed to be at at your desk or whatever. Be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that in the lord your labor is not in vain do you ever feel like your labor is in vain sometimes the devil lies to us and he says look look at the circumstances your labor is in vain how many of have felt that i know i have at times in different times in my life and that's a lie no, I know that in the Lord my work, my labor is not in vain. The prophet Jeremiah might have been tempted to think his labor was in vain, but it wasn't, right? <laughs> no, that in the Lord, and that's the key, we need to be in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for your call for the great window of opportunity that you have given us you didn't have to involve us in your work but you did because because you love us because you're excited about your work and you want us to be excited with you and so Lord today we offer ourselves to you we give thanks for your calling we give thanks for life and health and energy that we have We give thanks for your Holy Spirit. We give thanks uh, for the passion that you've put in us. And Lord, we repent for where we have gone astray, where we have not been immovable or steadfast always. We haven't always been abounding in your work. But Lord, we want to serve you. Lord, let us be yoked Let us take your yoke upon us. Thank you that we are not alone. We don't have to produce these things on our own. We can't. But you have done it already. We thank you for Jesus Christ. and We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are your temple. And thank you for your presence. And that your promise said, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, whether we are young, whether we are in the prime of life, or whether we are... Uh, older, remind us and show us the calling that you have for us each day, this day, and the next day, and the next, one day at a time. Grant us your grace, and Lord, we praise you, we bless your name, we give honor and glory to you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we talked about food this morning and uh jesus provided food for us and he did the work are you glad the work that he did on the cross and uh so this morning is a good opportunity as is every time that we come to the lord's table to fellowship with him and to renew our covenant with him um, and to receive his grace uh for every area of our life including that which he's the work that he's called us to do. Um, Paul wrote this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he took it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, Father, we give thanks to you. Jesus, we give thanks to you. Spirit of God, we give thanks to you for the for your gracious gift of salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and redeeming us from all the curse that goes along with sin, and for restoring us to the calling of your purpose for our lives. and Lord, as we meet with you this morning, we pray that you would, your grace would abound within each one of us, And Lord, we forgive those who have hurt us. We forgive as you have forgiven us. And Lord, we receive your forgiveness for our sins. And we thank you for renewed life. In Jesus' name, amen.